Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Yeah. Hit my guitar so I can do some rocking. With karate, I'll kick your ass from here to right over there. Oh, yeah, motherfucker. Gonna kick your fucking derriere. Yeah, yeah. You broke the rules. Now I'm pulling out your pubic hair. You motherfucker. You motherfucker. You know, you know that even though the Lakers are falling apart at the seams, uh, Dodgers. Still whooping on that ass, whooping on that ass, whooping on that ass. And when it comes to sports, there's only really one place I check out. Bet Online. They're my boys. They're my girls. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place for bets, and it's free to sign up. You heard me correctly. Free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag. Use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 5-0, baby. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Hey, everybody loves Magic Spoon, Magic Spoon. You're a grown-up. You're an adult. You have no business filling your body with junk like a maniac. Like a child. It's 2021, man. But you do deserve to enjoy what you're eating. And that's where Magic Spoon comes in. Oh yeah, 13, sometimes 14 grams of protein and only 4 grams of net carbs in each serving. 140 calories? That's nothing! And it tastes as good, if not better, than your favorite childhood cereals. I'm telling you, I love every single flavor of Magic Spoon. I have a whole collection. It looks like a bookshelf. My Magic Spoon boxes and their collection because I love it all. Cookies and cream and maple waffle, the new indulgent flavors available. Add those in to the already amazing flavors. Fruity, frosted, peanut butter, cinnamon, cocoa, Go make yourself a custom bundle, get all the different types of boxes, or try the new ones, cookies and cream and maple waffle. You can't lose. They're all delicious, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Go to magicspoon.com Mikey to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y, at checkout and save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com Mikey and use the code Mikey to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Hey, bud, let's party. It's Mikey Likes You, and I am Mikey. Mike Catherwood here. I am your host. And I am very, very, very excited about today's episode. Legitimately excited because today I welcome Sal Stefano. He is one of the men behind Mind Pump. It is one of the most trustworthy, one of the most um, useful outlets in the world of health and fitness. I highly encourage everyone 
to check out Mind Pump, both the podcast and the website. I also highly encourage you to pick up his new book, The Resistance Training Revolution. Um, it really is a collection of bullet points of all the things I try to tell you guys, the listeners. The importance of weight training to break through and overlook a lot of the taboo that surrounds weight training. How much you need to be weight training and how little you need to be wasting your time and energy on treadmills and going out there and riding your exercise bike or whatever it may be. Oh, stop it. I got an email. Um, and it, he's just so well-spoken and smart and, and trustworthy and he really knows his shit. And this new book is a, a nice summarization of a lot of the things that I really, really, really want to impart to all of you. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Sal DeStefano. I just, you know, yeah, it's so refreshing, you know, when you, when I dip my toes into the world of fitness and stuff, it's so fucking great to see people out there, credible people like you who could, who are saying the things that I go, see, I told you, I told you, man. Yeah, those of us who've, who've been doing this for a long time, we know these things, but we're fighting a bit of an uphill battle, aren't we? Because uh, the... The the fitness paradigm, the popular mainstream fitness paradigm has been wrong uh, for forever. And so, and there's a stigma that surrounds the right way to approach it. And so uh, the goal of the book is to educate people on the, how, why the old fitness paradigm is wrong and what the right approach is, and also educate people on resistance training um, in a way that kind of erases or, or at least erodes the stigma and stereotypes and gets people to understand that that's actually the best form of exercise for pretty much anybody, for most people, the average person, person who's and, looking And for most, for most goals, you know, that, that uh, yes. you know, be it longevity, um, uh, bone health, uh, even sometimes you know, people have a hard time believing this, but, you know, I tell them aerobic capacity, things like that. They just, they don't want to believe it. Um, but you, you said something, Interesting. And by the way, uh, the book is The Resistance Training Revolution. Uh, go to theresistancetrainingrevolution.com, get all the information. And um, obviously, anything regarding Sal and his crew is at uh, Mind Pump, and he is at, at Mind Pump Sal on all the important socials. Um, you said something interesting. You said the, the fitness paradigm has been wrong yeah. pretty much from the beginning. And I, I agree, certainly from the the last kind of couple of decades, but I'd be interested to hear how you feel about the fact that, you know, maybe there was a time and a place in the middle of the 20th century where there were a couple people who were looked at as kooks, of course, but we're getting it right. If you look at some of the like early bodybuilders before uh, drugs got introduced, um, Jack LaLanne, guys like that, who were, who were telling you, like, if you want to be in good shape, no, no, pick up, pick up a dumbbell, pick up a barbell. And they were, again, looked at as. Yeah. Blacks. Yeah. No, the, the, there definitely were people that were preaching the right uh, things. The problem is that uh, it was never really accepted uh, as mainstream. So if you look at the way that people did resistance training, which typically were bodybuilders, that's all we knew. If you look at the way they were depicted, depicted, right. You can go back to the late fifties, early sixties, you have the, the muscle beach movies and they were kind of like these meatheads that were super self-absorbed, very stiff, right? 
even in professional sports, uh, coaches were afraid to let their athletes lift weights because they said it would make them muscle bound or they would yeah. lose their athletic performance. Now we know that that's totally false. And luckily with sports is such an objective, you know, sports are very objective. You either win or you don't. And so uh, you can have all the stigma you want, but eventually the team that's kicking everybody's butt, like everybody's going to look at them and say, what are they doing? Right. So sports got it right. You'd be hard to find any athletic uh, endeavor that doesn't include some form of resistance training, even golf now. Um, so they got it right, but still the mainstream still believes the average person, like, you know, my aunt uh, or the lady down the street or the, you know, the, the 50 year old man whose doctor just told him his blood lipid levels were off or whatever. The average person today still um, has this, this false idea of the right way to apply fitness to help them improve their health. And it kind of goes something like this, right? So if you look at all the chronic health issues that um, that plague modern societies, right? Modern societies have very unique health uh, problems. They tend to be chronic and they're, uh, and they look like this, right? Like diabetes, uh, Alzheimer's, osteopenia, loss of mobility, hormone imbalances in men, testosterone levels are going down in women. You see estrogen and progesterone levels that are, you know, off or whatever. Um, and these are issues in, in the umbrella issue being obesity, right? Obesity, kind of contributing to a lot of these uh, different things. Sure, and sure. so the idea was, okay, we understand how the body loses weight. Uh, it's a very, it's a formula, right? You, you, if you burn more calories than you take in, then you're going to lose weight. It's an energy balance issue or to put it differently, uh, you know, take in less calories than you burn. So either burn more than you take in or take in less than you burn, whatever. But when you do that, then your body loses weight. And so the paradigm was created where, they said, okay, we want to burn calories with exercise. Let's pick the forms of exercise that burn the most calories. That's going to be the best approach because they said, okay, if we need to burn more than we take in, it makes sense to do the exercise forms that just burn the most calories. Sure, now, from sure. that standpoint, if you're just looking at calorie burn, uh, it's very clear what form of exercise does that best. It's cardio, right? You go for a run for an hour you're going to burn more calories in an hour than you will do doing almost any other form of exercise. And that's definitely true, but here's why that's the wrong approach. Um, what we need to look at is the adaptations that exercise causes in the body, right? How does this exercise change my body? And then what do these changes mean for me? So if we look at cardio again, yes, it does burn a lot of calories while you're doing it, but the changes that it elicits in the body are, to improve its endurance. You don't need much strength to perform them. In fact, you need very little strength to perform them. And so what your body tries to do is it tries to become a very efficient calorie burning machine. In other words, it learns how to burn less calories while you're doing the activity. And it tries to become better at that activity, which means Let's get rid of muscle. This is why studies show very clearly, and we know this as trainers, I've seen this you know, for decades, that when people lose weight through cardio and diet, on average, half of the weight that they lose is muscle. Now, people think, oh, they must be burning muscle because they're not eating enough calories. That's not what's happening. In fact, the body doesn't like to burn muscle. It's one of the last things that it burns. What's happening is the body is adapting. It's trying to become a, a machine that burns less and less calories. It's trying to become more efficient. So what ends up happening is you lose 10 pounds 
five pounds of that is muscle, which by the way, puts you exactly where you were before. You're just a smaller, same fat version of your old self. Which can sometimes be worse. I mean, when you look in the mirror, it can actually really be so frustrating and discouraging when you put in that effort to lose 20, 30 pounds. And you're like, well, now I'm a gooier version of what I was. You're right. You're right. And not only that, but now you're left smaller, same fat, same body fat percentage, uh, slower metabolism. So that means now I have to eat less, can continue to maintain this cardio. And if I want to lose any more, I got to either do more exercise or eat less. Obviously not sustainable, right? Obviously in the long term, it's too hard. I can't maintain this. Then I gain the weight back, I end up not gaining the muscle back, I end up gaining it all as body fat. So now I'm left fatter with even slower metabolism. And you're right with the muscle. Here's the deal. And this is a fact now. Muscle is protective regardless of body fat percentage. In other words, you could be obese, but if you have more muscle and you're obese, you're going to have a lower risk of things like diabetes, Alzheimer's, and even heart disease. So what you've actually done is you've actually made yourself more prone to the modern chronic health issues by using uh, cardiovascular activity, cardio, as your primary form of exercise. And so here's what it looks like. This is what it looks like to the average person. So if you're watching this and you do cardio as, your, as part of your weight loss routine, you'll end up losing some weight real fast. So 10 pounds comes off real fast, plateau real hard. So it's just like, I lost some, now nothing. Now for me to lose any more, I have to do more or eat less. And this is very frustrating. Now, when we look at it from a, okay, how does exercise tell my body to adapt uh, paradigm? Then it becomes very clear that the form of exercise you want to choose is the one that's going to speed up your metabolism so that you burn more calories on your own. It's going to be the one that's going to be, it's going to be create a protective adaptation of my body. It's going to protect me from being sedentary because here's the bottom line, Mike, you could, you know, and, and look, fitness fanatics like you and I, no problem. But the average person, you're really lucky if you can get them to do two days a week of exercise consistently forever. It's just, that's probably where you're going to be for the average person. It's not going to be more than that. I know this, I've trained people for years. And if you do it right, you're looking at about two or three days a week of consistent exercise. And modern life is just sedentary. It just is. It's busy and sedentary. So we got stuff scheduled all the time, but we're not moving much at all. So muscle is very protective against that. So when you do resistance training, lift weights uh, as, or you know, machines or bands or body weight resistance training as part of your routine, you teach the body to burn more calories on its own. So you end up with a faster metabolism. The weight that you lose is fat not muscle. In fact, oftentimes people gain some muscle while they lose body fat. And the fat loss is a snowball effect. As you start to speed up your metabolism, the fat loss starts to accelerate and you can eat more and maintain a leaner body. And you're more protected against, like I said before, those chronic modern health issues. And this is what I'm trying to communicate to the average person. Because even today, although it's much better than when I became a trainer in the, in the, in the 90s, Still, it's it still is this false belief or the stereotype where, you know, you get the average fifty-five, even man, you get the average fifty-five-year-old man who goes to the doctor and the doctor says, blood pressure is a little high, your 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 HDL LDL ratio is not so good. I'm going to recommend you start exercising. He's not thinking I'm going to go lift weights. He's thinking I'm going to go get on a treadmill. And even if you tell this guy, he could be your uncle, and you say, hey, you know what you should do? You should lift some weights. 
The response is usually, I don't want to get big. I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder. And so the, the goal really is, and that's why it's called revolution, is to, to, to get people to understand this, break through these false beliefs and stereotypes so that we can all do the form of exercise that is best suited to deal with the problems that we're encountering in these modern societies. I, I, I couldn't agree more with everything that you said. And, you know, my concern is when I talk to these guys, that, that, you know, whether it be my friend down the street or it be someone online, is that that, that narrative has been so um, yeah. brainwashed into them. Even more difficult is, and it's something I've seen you address very frequently, not only on your socials, but within throughout Mind Pump and things like that. And I'm, I'm assuming it's a huge factor in the resistance training revolution is females. Yes. Because not a small amount, 99% of women have this notion that by virtue of touching a barbell, they are going to become you know, one of those American gladiator chicks with a, a straight jawline and, and giant, you know, hulking muscles. And, and it, it, it couldn't be farther from the truth. I try to show, I try to, you know, cherry pick all these little video clips of these Instagram models who are size two. And I'm like, this girl is strong as fuck. Look at her doing 225 on squat for, for like six reps. I mean, these girls are super duper strong and lift a lot of weights. But somehow the you know it gets it gets kind of broken down you know in a weird way in their brain. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's funny, Mike. When I used to manage uh, gyms, I would it, it, this was a problem I encountered all the time, right? So I'd, I'd take a potential member; it was a woman. I'd show her the gym, show her the the weights and the machines, and I'd hear something like, "Oh, I don't want to do that. I'm not trying to get real big or whatever." And then what I would do is when we'd go back to my office, I would page one of my female trainers. There was one in particular. I used to love doing this. And I'd say, you know, attention staff, so-and-so, please come to Sal's office. And here would come in this five foot two, very fit, great curves trainer. And I'd say, okay. And I'd say this to the, to the person I was talking to. I'd say, you can be very honest. You're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. And in fact, if you get this right, I'll, I'll give you something for free. I'd say, I'd like you to guess her body weight. And they would say something like, oh, she's like 105 pounds or 110 pounds. Then we'd walk over to the scale. My trainer would stand on the scale and she was like 140 pounds. And I'd say, she's a lot heavier than you think because she's got muscle. By the way, muscle is very dense. In fact, if you were to lose 10 pounds of body fat and gain 10 pounds of muscle, your weight on the scale obviously would be the same, but you'd be so much smaller because muscle is very dense, fat, not so dense. It takes up almost it's something like one third more space or something like that. So it's just kind of fluffy, whereas muscle is very dense. Not only that, then I would have this trainer explain what she would eat during the day. I'd say, can you, you know, be, you know tell her what you eat? And she would say, oh, this, and this morning I had, you know, six eggs and two slices of toast. And then for lunch, I had this chicken burrito, whatever. And they couldn't believe it. And I'd say, well, her metabolism is roaring. Yeah. She's got this very metabolically active tissue on her body that requires calories in order to maintain so she can eat a lot and look the way she does. And the truth is this, if you you can if you lift weights as a woman, what you can expect is to get sculpted, uh, firm and curves. You know, women talk about curves all the time. You know where you get curves from? Muscle. Yeah. You build your butt, you build your hamstrings, you get leaner, the waist shrinks. Now you have firm curves. That's where it comes from. Now I don't blame them for having that that false idea. The 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 
popular media, when they depict people who lift weights, it's always the most extreme version of people that lift weights. It's always bodybuilders, uh, you know, male or female, which number And by the one, way, it, you know, sorry to interrupt, but in 2021, that's almost universally looked at as something not appealing. Correct. It would be one thing if we were showing a bodybuilder from 1972, but a bodybuilder nowadays is is something that is is even admit by the men and women doing it is a freakish kind of endeavor. It is. What you're looking at is uh, number one. It, it's such an extreme uh, example of rare genetics. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, let me ask you this: Mike. Besides going to an NBA, a professional NBA game, how many seven feet tall people have you seen in the real world? Right. Very few. Yeah, I've seen never. I've never. I think one time, and I remember it because he was—he looked like it was so crazy, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The genetics to build the kind of muscle, men or women, to build the kind of muscle where you look like a freak, are about as rare as people who are over seven feet tall. It's just—it's super, 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 super rare. So if you're watching this, don't worry, that's not you. And by the way, if it was you, you'd know. You probably—you right. probably look like a bodybuilder without even lifting weights. Then you throw on top of it. Uh, extreme dedication to building muscle. So everything they do in their entire life is, is, is to build muscle. And then you throw on top of that just tons and tons of anabolic steroids and hormones. And so that is not at all representative of what the average person can even come close to expecting from resistance training. It's just don't expect it. You know, the average woman could lift weights like a bodybuilder and she wouldn't, all she would ever get is a very sculpted toned physique. She would never look anything like a bodybuilder. So I get that, right? I get that, that under, but no, it doesn't work that way. And by the way, if you do build muscle very quickly, what a wonderful position to be in. Cause here's what it will look like. You work out six months later, you go, okay, I think this is about as sculpted as I want to get. Well, that's cool. Like lucky you, now you get to kind of scale down and just maintain uh, your physique. But yeah, it's a totally false uh, belief, you know, and, and there's, there's a couple other reasons why this has happened, Mike, you know, and, and I do think that this revolution is going to happen um, one way or another. I'm trying to make it happen a little quicker. Part of the reason why I think it's going to happen no matter what is because we now have medical studies that are looking at resistance training and they're testing it in terms of how it affects health and longevity. They never did studies like this before. You know, if, if there were ever a study on exercise and health, it was always cardiovascular activity. So if, if scientists wanted to see how exercise affects, uh, you know, Alzheimer's or bone density or cholesterol, they never picked resistance training. The only studies that were ever done on resistance training were for strength or athletic performance. That's right. it. There were no health studies, right? With Olympic athletes or some, you know, some, the genetic freaks to begin with. You know? That's right. To now, the last decade or so, lots and lots of studies are being done on resistance training. And here's what they're finding. Here's what they're finding. For heart health, okay, resistance training, com when it, it was compared to cardiovascular activity, it was actually shown to be, be superior. It actually was a superior form of exercise for heart health, okay? Uh, for brain health, resistance training is the only form of exercise to date that has been shown to halt the progression of Alzheimer's, only form of exercise to do so. Now, they, they, they think they know why. It's because muscle is a very insulin-sensitive tissue. In fact, one of the greatest ways to improve your insulin sensitivity or reduce your risk of, of diabetes, regardless of body weight, is just to have more muscle. And since Alzheimer's and dementia 
oftentimes are referred to as type three diabetes or the inability to utilize glucose uh, efficiently. That's why when you put someone on a, who's, who's got Alzheimer's on a ketogenic diet, they tend to improve their cognition. Building muscle uh, has tremendous benefits, right? Bone density, no form of exercise in the studies comes even close to bone density improvements. What about hormones? Well, we now have studies to show that resistance training done properly will raise testosterone in any man, regardless of testosterone levels, whether it's low, middle, or high, you'll get better testosterone levels. In women, it balances things out. Uh, whereas other forms of exercise oftentimes uh, will cause hormone imbalances to get worse. Um, now, I have a theory as to why this is when it comes to hormones. And it revolves around the fact that of all forms of exercise, resistance training is really the only pro-tissue form of exercise. Sure, all sure. of the other forms of exercise tend to be anti-tissue. So what I mean by that is when I'm, for example, when I'm doing lots of cardio for my body to get better at long distance running or endurance cardiovascular activity, my body has to reduce muscle mass. This is why long distance runners have very little uh, muscle. Um, it's just part of the adaptation. In order to reduce muscle mass, we typically don't want a lot of testosterone. We typically don't want a lot of growth hormone. We don't want balances of, uh, of estrogen and progesterone. We might want higher levels of cortisol. That's a great hormone to get rid of uh, muscle. Now, if I'm doing resistance training and I'm doing it right and I'm telling my body to, to, to build muscle, which is pro-tissue, by the way, the side effect of that is, of course, faster metabolism, burn body fat. But the initial, the first signal is pro-tissue. What hormones do I need in order to be pro-muscle? I need testosterone. I need growth hormone. I need balances of estrogen and progesterone. I need to be insulin sensitive and I can't have lots of cortisol. In fact, if you take the average person and you just inject them with testosterone, growth hormone and and, and block their cortisol or whatever, you'll see them naturally build muscle. So this is, this is one of the direct effects of the adaptation process that resistance training provides that is unique. It's, it's completely unique to other forms uh, of exercise. And now we also have studies, these are the, my favorite studies, that strength tests, simple strength tests, and I'll get into detail as to what they are, but a simple strength test is one of the best single predictors of all-cause mortality. So what I mean by that is if you did any test and you can only use one test, so blood pressure, cholesterol, uh, you know, cognitive test, strength test, and you compared them to see which single test was the most accurate predictor of all-cause mortality, the strength test is actually the most accurate. And you know how they do it? A simple grip test. Grip test, yeah. They'll have a, they'll have a person squeeze a gripper based off that. We could, we, we could more accurately predict all-cause mortality with that than anything else. Now, of course, the best predictor will be a combination of tests. Right. But, I mean, it just goes to show you that being weak, which is what's happened, okay, let's, let's, be, let's be honest, we are, all, we are all becoming weak because we don't move, we don't lift anything heavy, we're inside all the time. So we're literally withering away this, this uh, very metabolically active tissue. And this is why we're having a lot of the problems that we're running into. And again, only one form of exercise directly combats that. Now, one of the best parts about this is that you don't have to do it all the time in order to get these benefits. In fact, the average person 
will get if they do it properly, will get phenomenal results. Just resistance training a couple days a week. Right, I right. can't think of other forms of exercise that'll do that. And then on top of it, the resilience that uh, building muscle provides your body, in the sense that if you take time off, so if you if you if you're losing weight because you're doing cardio every single day, right? And then you stop for three weeks for some reason. You go on a business trip or on vacation where you stop for three weeks. Boy, does that fat gain rebound real quick. You're not burning those calories. You don't have the muscle to support the metabolism. Boom, you gained it back. Okay. You stop lifting weights. Strength and muscle actually take much longer to go down. In fact, oftentimes, uh, especially advanced lifters, will take a week off and come back, and they're actually stronger. stronger yeah. Not only that, but when you build muscle, and this is a real thing, you build muscle memory. So these are satellite cells that you actually increase in number in your muscles that make building that muscle back the second time around happen much faster. So what does that mean? Well, if you gained, if you're a woman and you're working out and you're lifting weights and let's say you lost 20 pounds of body fat, but you gained seven pounds of muscle. So now you're much more sculpted, you're tighter, metabolism's faster. And it took you a whole year to do that. It took you a whole year to build those seven pounds of muscle. And then you take a couple months off for some reason. You just don't work out for two months. And let's just say, for argument's sake, you lose all seven pounds that you gained that took you a year to build before. You'll gain it back within a month once you go back to lifting weights. Right. That's muscle memory, right? It's the one form of exercise that gets, and it's it, there's nothing that's permanent, but it's the closest form of exercise you can get to developing kind of these more permanent results. So it's like th this, this old paradigm and these ideas around resistance training are not only wrong, but they're damaging. And they're so wrong, it's the opposite of the actual reality. Lucy, Lucy, you are the best. Lucy, Lucy. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists, former smokers looking for a better way to get their nicotine. Finally, a tobacco alternative that doesn't suck. I know these people the people behind Lucy. Well before I even started this podcast, let alone had the idea of getting them to sponsor the podcast, I was in talks with the people behind Lucy because I knew that nicotine is an amazing drug. And unfortunately, most of the time, you have to get it through very dirty, rancid means, whether it be vaping or smoking or chewing tobacco, and you don't want none of that. That's where Lucy comes in. Wintergreen, Cinnamon, pomegranate, delicious nicotine, gum, and lozenges with four milligrams, a very potent dose in each serving. Mikey likes you listeners. Get in on it. Go to lucy.co, use the promo code Mikey, M-I-K-E-Y, get 20% off all products, including gum and lozenges. That's lucy.co, use promo code M-I-K-E-Y at checkout. Listen. Nicotine is the best, okay? Cognitive boost, metabolic boost, helps curb your appetite. There's a lot of amazing things going on with nicotine. But I have to give you this disclaimer. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is, in fact, an addictive chemical. Lucy.co. And be sure to use the promo code Mikey. And I'm sure, you know, you can speak to this as well as anyone. Um maintenance of just life in general 
when it comes to, you know, things come at you. We all don't live our lives like a, a professional bikini model. So there's going to be times when the holidays come around or work gets crazy and food choices aren't necessarily the best and, and, and weight training and, and, and your, your, your training protocol kind of goes by the wayside. If you're jacked, staying within a reasonable area is so much easier to maintain than just being the average guy or gal. You know, people are always like, you know, I just turned 42 and I got a bunch of guys that are like, well, I can't be like you because I haven't spent 25 years of weight training. And I go, well, okay, compelling argument. You can't be like me right now. But if you were to get jacked, the maintenance of it is way easier than trying to get there because having muscle and being a lean person, it, it just makes everything else kind of just fall into place so much better. It does. It does. It requires the least amount of effort to produce the, the best uh, outcomes, uh, right. resistance training, right? So I'll tell you a story, right? I had a client uh, years ago who hired me. She was a cardio uh, fanatic. So she ran six days a week. Uh, she swam and did classes the other day a week. And her, she was, her, her pursuit was to get leaner. Now she was very overweight before. And this approach had gotten her to lose a lot of weight, but she got to the point where, you know, we're talking about uh, an hour and a half or more a day of this type of exercise. She was also a mother of three children, right? And she also had some, you know, she also worked part-time. So she had to do all that exercise, plus take care of her family, her kids. And she was eating 1400 calories a day in order to maintain this. And she came and she hired me because she said, this is unsustainable. She's like, I'm at the point now. She's like, I don't know what to do. She goes, I have another almost 20 pounds to lose. It's not coming off. I can't do more exercise. I don't want to work out more. I don't want to eat less. I'm eating 1400 calories a day, which is nothing. She's like, what the hell's going on? I said, well, what you've done is you've taught your body to become very efficient with calories. It's not a bad thing. Our bodies are very good at adapting. In fact, we evolved to do this very well. And I'll actually get into some studies on modern hunter-gatherers that kind of uh, you know highlights this. I said, but what we need to do is we need to send a different signal to your body. We need to tell your body to burn more calories. So what I did was I slowly reduced her cardio activity and I slowly increased her or added resistance training. I also simultaneously did what's called a reverse diet where I slowly increased her calories. And so here's what happened. At, over the course of six months, I got her to the point where she was doing cardio once a week. She was lifting weights with me twice a week. So now she's working out three days a week as opposed to seven days a week like crazy. Okay. She was eating 1800 calories and she hadn't gained a single pound. So this is six months later. So she went from 1400 to 1800 calories with less exercise and her weight had stayed the same. Now we, we stayed the course and I slowly reverse dieted her slowly over time and built some muscle to the point where I had her consuming about 2,400 calories a day without any weight gain. And then we did the cut. Then we cut the calories and guess what happened? She lost that 20 pounds like that. And she was in a place eating more than she had ever eaten before, right? Very sustainable. Not somebody that had to reverse out of kind of an extreme situation, but you kind of get the, get the idea. Now there are, now there are studies that have been done on this that, that are, 
remarkable. There was a study that was done on modern hunter-gatherers in Tanzania. These are the, the Hadza tr uh, tribe. In fact, I, I talk about this in the book. And the Hadza tribe, they, mo they're modern hunter-gatherers, right? So they hunt their food. They, they forage for, you know, for honey or for you know, edible plants. They're basically moving all the time. Okay. And the way that they hunt is they, you know, they'll throw a spear at an animal or whatever they get it. And then they run it down. This is how humans hunted thousands of years ago, right? We'll just run it down, wait for it to get tired and then eventually take it down or whatever. And so scientists went and studied them and they wanted to find out how many calories these people were burning every single day. And they theorized that they, God, they must be burning a tremendous amount of calories. Look at these people are not sitting down. They're moving all the time, especially in comparison to the average Westerner. The Western, well, yeah. What they found was shocking. At the end of the study, they found that they burned roughly the same amount of calories as the average Westerner. And at first they were blown away. Like, how is this even possible? But then it made perfect sense. Hunter gatherers, you know, our bodies evolved in that environment. And it's if we were burning 6,000 calories a day, it, we wouldn't have survived. Our and body, die. we couldn't find 6,000 calories a day. So the body adapts slows down because the signal that's being sent is we're burning calories. We don't need lots of strength. So it pairs muscle down and it becomes more efficient. There was another study done in the Amazon where they, they studied, uh, they compared uh, kids from rural areas, which are very active to kids from the city who are very inactive. And they found a similar result. The calorie burn wasn't no different. Now, of course, the people in the rural areas and the Hadza people much healthier. So there's always benefits to being active. But my point is, if you live in, you know, like I said, modern society and you're being realistic with yourself, and you're like, well, look, I, I'm probably not going to work out forever more than two or three days a week. It's just not going to. And that's the truth. Then the, and, but I do need to lose weight. I'm overweight. Uh, I do need to improve my health. I do have aches and pains or I do have issues with blood pressure or blood lipids or you know, dementia runs in my family. I need to do some kind of exercise. I just don't have a lot of time to dedicate to it. Pick resistance training. It'll, it, it'll give you the most dividends by far through the action of the signal that it's sending your body in order to, in other words, the way that it gets your body to adapt, not through the calorie burn of when I'm doing the activity itself. Yeah. And that's another thing that I think is to the, the average normal human who's not, you know, like you said, not geeky like you and I are, um, that, you know, you can't just look at it from a, from a, a, a very kind of common sense point of view. Well, this burns more calories, therefore it's better that exercise, every form of exercise has a very specific adaptation that comes from the given specific stress. And it's, it's such a kind of difficult thing to, to get through someone's skull. And I, I was curious if you found in, in making the book, my, and this is, uh, I actually ask out of general curiosity because I don't have necessarily any, any conclusive studies to show it, but I had it happen to me. And that was the effect of, on mental health that happened when I, you know, I grew up as a bodybuilder and a power worker. And then, you know, in my late twenties, mid through my thirties, I was, I got heavily into MMA and, and different forms of martial art. Naturally, I had to transition out of lifting weights five days a week and, and, you know, transition more into a much more mixed modality and was much more 
cardio heavy. During the time when I'd be doing road work or intervals or hitting pads, my mental health was very high. The serotonin was was pumping and I just felt great. But day in and day out, I felt horrible. In, in glaring comparison to how I was very kind of uniformly elevated by being a meathead. Yeah. And I was wondering if there's any any kind of correlation as far as like the like you said, the cortisol and, and the, the the drop in your insulin sensitivity and how that can kind of wreak havoc on your mental health. Yeah. All those uh, pro tissue hormones feel good. Right. Yeah. If you give a man an injection of testosterone, he's going to just feel better growth hormone. They're just going to feel uh, better. Right. So those pro tissue hormones just give you a, a, a great sense of well-being. Also, a faster metabolism is uh, essentially your body saying, you know, food is plentiful. We can procreate. So libido goes through the roof. In fact, resistance training is the best form of exercise for libido boost in both men and women as a result of that. And you'll notice this. Like anybody who starts lifting weights does it properly, one of the first things they'll notice is my libido goes up. Right. But let's talk about the brain for a second, right? The brain... Uh, Insulin sensitivity is imperative for brain health. Having issues with insulin is a very strong predictor of dementia or even just cognitive decline. This is why, again, so many people feel sharp when they go on a ketogenic diet. Now, there's nothing magical about a no-carbohydrate, high-fat diet, aside from the fact that now your brain is operating more off of ketones than it is off of sugars. And if your body's got some insulin resistance, and it's not able to utilize the sugars effectively, it's going to feel good to cut out the sugars and eat and eat the fats and go off of ketones, right? So that's really, in essence, you're not solving the root issue by doing that. You're just kind of kind of going around right, what right. the problem was, which is I'm not very, ins my insulin isn't very effective in my body. Well, muscle is a phenomenal tissue for improving uh, insulin sensitivity. Then we look at like uh, BDNF, right? Brain-derived neurotropic factor. Well, that definitely increases with activity, but resistance training causes a, a, a specifically high spike in that. And it's probably due to the proprioceptive uh, qualities of resistance training. So to, to, to explain it in layman's terms, right? Proprioception is your, your, your brain's ability to understand and perceive where you are in space, right? So it's knowing if I'm moving forward, backward, twisting, up, down, whatever. Okay. When you look at uh, most forms of exercise, they're very, there's very signature repetitive motions that go along with them. So if I cycle, I'm on a bike, hand, hands on my handlebars, and I'm moving my legs a particular way, right? If I'm running, it's very repetitive, same thing. If I'm swimming, very rep repetitive, same thing. Okay. With resistance training, the way that you move your body and the angles that you move your body is they're almost infinite. There's an almost infinite amount of directions and angles that I can use with my body. In fact, this is what's encouraged with resistance training is to change the angles, move in different planes, rotate, go sideways, go up, go down, go left, go right, whatever to move. And this develops the brain as much as it develops the body. In fact, the central nervous system adapts before the muscles do. Uh, your initial strength gains come from your, your central nervous system learning how to fire better and you develop neural pathways in order to, to do this. That's why when you do resistance training, when you're in a set, you are not thinking about the argument you had or 
You know, you're, you're there. You got to be there because you'll drop a dumbbell or a barbell or it's very present, right? You got to be focused on balance or whatever. That's not this. That's not like that with other forms of exercise. I could cycle and run and whatever, and it's repetitive over and over again. And so those neural adaptations in comparison to resistance training are much more limited. So in terms of developing the brain, just because of the sheer, uh, ver- just a sheer variety of movements and angles that you can employ with resistance training, I mean, it's it's superior. Again, look, if you go to a physical therapist because you had some kind of a brain injury, at some point, the primary form of exercise will apply is resistance training. Probably won't be dumbbells and barbells, but it'll be a band or it'll be you moving your hand with, you know, trying to straighten your arm out and create muscle tension. You're trying to develop those neural pathways. And again, resistance training just does that um, in a very superior way. And, and in a way that sticks, like I said, uh, better than other forms of exercise. Sal Stefano is the man I'm talking to at Mind Pump Sal on Instagram and Twitter. And then also the new book, The Resistance Training Revolution. I recommend it very much. Um, I, I love everything you're saying. I love the idea of the book and, and enlightening people to what they really should be investing their time and energy into. I also love that, you know, you have right there in the liner notes, 60 minutes a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that's another thing I try to, I, I, I run into a very, uh, which I'm sure all of you at Mind Pump run into, is that there's, of course, the, the people that you have a very hard time getting into the gym. But then there's also typically the young man, the, the, the teen or the early 20s male who wants to train twice a week, twice a day, six days a week because he wants to be the rock. And I, the idea of volume and senseless volume, how it is such a problem, almost as much of a problem as inactivity in the weight room. And I try to hammer that home. I'm like, dude, I work out. I lift weights 45 minutes, three times a week. And I, you know, compared to earth, I'm fucking jacked. Um, The other issue though, and I wonder how you kind of remedy this is that in order to do that, there does have to be a certain level of intensity. And I just have a hard time getting the average guy or gal to obtain that. And I was curious your thoughts on that and how you had it, if you had any remedies. Yeah, no. Um, so think of it like uh, medication. So doctor prescribes to you a medication and there's a right dose, right? More than that doesn't make it work better. In fact, more than, more than the dose that the doctor recommends only increases side effects might actually kill you. Less than that is just not as effective. Okay. When it comes to exercise, uh, any form of exercise, including resistance training, the right dose will get you there faster than more or less. Now, the question is always, well, what's the right dose? Okay, the right dose depends on the individual quite a bit. Uh, what All you need to do with exercise is send a signal to your body to adapt. And that signal depends on your current level of fitness, your body's ability to heal and repair from whatever exercise you're doing. So, if you're, let's use another uh, example. Let's 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 look at the, our skin's ability to to darken suntan, yeah, as, a, it's a great, as an ad- adaptation to the skin, right, to the sun. If you go out in the sun, right, the the sun rays hit your skin, and your skin gets a little bit of damage, and the way that your body adapts so that next time that same dose won't cause damage is your skin starts to darken, so you get a tan, right? 
Well, if you live in your mom's basement and you've only, you've never seen the sun for five years, it's going to take very little sunlight to cause that to happen. And anything over that will burn you, right? So our bodies, think of it that way when it comes to exercise, the right dose. Well, if, I, if I'm not exercising now at all, if I haven't worked out for a long time, you know, a couple sets of body weight squats is enough to get my body to change. Anything over that is just going to cause my body to take more time to heal. And it might even do so much damage that I don't heal in time for my next workout. In fact, I might actually go backwards. So it's always about the right dose. And I think people want to, they think if they go harder and more, they'll get there faster, but that's just false. Train your body appropriately and properly, and you'll get there faster than if you do more or less than that. And again, for most people, it's not much at all. Now, are you going to develop a, you know, super ripped, you know, hyper muscular physique, you know, working out two days a week for 45 minutes? Probably not. You'll probably have to do a lot more than that. But can you get a generally fit, healthy, resilient body, especially in combination with a good diet with a couple days a week of resistance training? Yeah, you definitely yeah, can. Absolutely. And, and, and you can sustain that. And it's very sustainable. Right. It's much, it, more, it's much easier to sustain. I have a hard time kind of, I, I feel like in, it, it's, it's like um, how I see sex and, and sexuality foisted on girls in this country in that there's this huge push to make them anti-sexual in any way and to shame them for even thinking sexually. But also here's Rihanna in a thong uh, grinding up against a Ferrari. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's the, where I, most people are told, don't lift weights. You're going to get bulky. You're going to get stiff and it's not good for you for burning calories. But here's Kamal Johnny who just got fucking shredded and jacked in, in, in five weeks, you know, and here's uh, Jessica Beale. check it out. So I, I think like people are then get this confused idea that, well, okay, it's not, I'm not supposed to do this. It's bad for me, but this person just achieved this in four weeks. I want to do that. And no. I go, okay, I bet you could if I gave you $3 million to do it, which is what they just, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, let's be realistic here. It's also not sustainable anyway. I mean, um, you know, what you, you want to consider this, right? If you want to change, if you fundamentally want to change how your body looks and, and fundamentally improve your health, you know, you want to lose 30 pounds and you want to look fit and be relatively lean and healthy, that's going to take a, a, a fundamental lifestyle change. Now, I don't say that lightly, okay? That's a big deal. It's like, it's like Mike, change your life. I want you to, I want you to change you know what you do every day all day long and by the way change your forever right that's hard it's very very challenging to do and this is why the get there fast approach has a 90 something percent fail rate you're going to fail if you do it that way really the only sustainable way to do this is through the development of the skill of discipline which is a slow process so what does that what does that look like more specifically and i talk about this again in the book is you take one thing that you can change that is both realistic forever. So that's use that, use that time frame. Is this realistic for me to, to, to keep doing forever? But is it also providing me with a little bit of challenge? Because that otherwise it has no meaning, right? So a challenging change 
that is also simultaneously realistic forever. Okay. Start there and then do it and then do it. And then when it becomes a part of your life, here's what's going to happen naturally. You'll naturally say, all right, let me do one more thing. And so event slowly over time, it builds upon and you develop the skill of discipline. Now, why is that important? Because discipline is a skill and it's always with you. Unlike the feeling of motivation, which is what the fitness industry is always hyper-focused on is what, and is what people think is required to get fit and healthy uh, forever. Motivation is not required. In fact, if you rely on motivation, you're screwed. You're because when motivation, when motivation goes away, which it always does, it's a, it's a, it's a state of mind. There's no state. We're never in a permanent state of mind. Okay. When motivation goes away, what are you going to do? Now you're done. You're screwed. And so you end up with this up and down progress where I do great. And then I, and I don't do so great. And, uh, now I'm motivated. Now I'm not motivated. And I end up staying in the same place rather build upon the skill of discipline. And this can look different from person to person. Like, I had a client once that, you know, she, she was a, a cancer survivor and her doctor referred, her doctor was my client. So I had a doctor that I trained and she would tell me, send me patients. Well, anyway, my, my doctor client was just, she just kept bringing up my name to this person. And this person's like, I don't want to work out. I really hate <laughs> gyms. I don't like whatever. And she's like, trust me, he's really good. I had a, a private studio that was next to uh, where the, the hospital was. She's like, it's close by. Finally, she talked her into it. So she shows up to my studio and literally says to me, look, I really don't want to do this. Dr. So-and-so told me, she's told me, I don't know, a million times I got to do this. Here's the deal. I hate working out. I'm not doing anything on my own. And I'm only going to work out once a week. And I said, all right, let's do once a week. We're going to start with once a week. And that's what we did. She said, I don't want to change my diet. No problem slowly over time, because she did the once a week, and then she started to become consistent with once a week, then it became, hey, do you have another day open in your schedule? Sure. And then it became, you know, what do you think about like reducing sugar in my diet? And I said, well, why don't we start with this? Um, why don't you just drink water throughout the day instead of other things? Let's just start with that and see what that looks like. Do you think that's sustainable for you forever? Do you think that's a good step? Yes. Well, anyway, after three years, this lady literally became a fitness fanatic. To this day, she exercises three to four days a week regularly. She went and got a certification, not because she wanted to be a trainer, but rather she got so enthralled with fitness, she wanted to learn about it. And this woman's consistent uh, till this day. The other approach, the, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds, and I get it, right? Like, you probably ignored the weight gain for a long time. You've probably avoided, you know, becoming self-aware about the reality of what's happening the fact that you're not taking care of yourself. And I get that. We kind of put ourselves in that mental state. But then at some point, it's like you just can't ignore it and you get motivated, right? At some point, you're like, that's it. I'm done. I want to lose 50 pounds. Now you're like, I want to go on tomorrow because now you're in that motivated, that hyper-motivated state of mind. So then you go and you hire someone like me and you say, I want to hire you. I'm going to give you $3,000 to train me. And I say, okay, well, how many days a week do you think you can work out? I don't, six days a week. I'll be here six days a week. And I know, I'm like, no, you weren't working out at all before. I understand you're in this hyper-motivated hyper state of mind. Let's do this in a sustainable way because that is going to fail. It will fail every single time. So the way you approach this is extremely important. You know, one, one, another thing I talk about in the book is, is the, the root 
you know, the, the thing that that really triggers you to even make the decision to start exercising in the first place. And it's often rooted in self-hate, right? Mm-hmm. It's often, um, I, uh, I'm fat uh, or God, I'm gross or I don't like my body or I don't like the way I look. And, you know, I, I need to go work out and I'm then, I'm gonna just going to start to diet. I, I look gross. You know, I don't like the way. Now, the problem with this is when you're training yourself uh, with exercise and eating in a way because of that root kind of self-hate, exercise becomes a punishment and nutrition becomes restrictive, right? So I'm exercising because I hate myself. Well, now exercise is a punishment. I'm eating because I don't like my body. Well, now it's about restricting me, right? And eventually, what does that turn into? It's this very common phrase, right? You'll see your friend who was doing some workout and diet, and then maybe they stopped or whatever. Hey, are you still you still working out and following that diet? And, oh, no, and I, I stopped last month. I just wanted to enjoy my life. You know, I just, I couldn't do anymore. I just want to enjoy life, right? As if being healthy and fit doesn't improve your quality of life and make life more enjoyable. But the reason why it wasn't enjoyable for them was it was rooted in self-hate, right? So what I talk yeah, about in like, the book. I mean, how many times I'm, I, I'm guilty of myself. Same with relationships where yeah. you're like, I had to get rid of her. I, it just, I need to live. I need to be me and have fun and enjoy myself. And it's like, well, you had to get rid of her to do that. That probably wasn't the most fucking healthy relationship, you know, where as opposed to, and I'm not trying to kiss ass, but like my wife makes my life so much better. She improves it in every facet, you know, and I, it, it really, it's, it's about your mindset going in. It is. So, so an alternate mindset would be, um, you know, you look in the mirror, you have the, Oh my gosh, I, I, my God, I'm 30 pounds overweight or 40 pounds overweight. You know what? I haven't been taking care of myself very well. I think I want to take care of myself now. I am somebody that deserves to be healthy. I am somebody that deserves to be taken care of. It's time I start to take care of myself. It's time I, I, I treat myself like I love myself. So what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go to the gym and start to, tr- to exercise because I care about myself. And, you know, how am I going to eat? Well, I'm going to eat in a way that shows that I care about myself. Now, that's a very, it's a great place to be. Now, exercise is not a punishment, but rather self-care, right? Diet is no longer restrictive, but rather self-care. By the way, what comes naturally with that is balance. Balance is very natural in that, right? Like, I love my kids. I, I care for my kids. I take care of them, right? Do I give them cookies every day because they want cookies? No. But do I give them cookies sometimes because I take because I take care of them? Yeah. Sometimes they have a cookie because it's fun. Do they have it every day? No, because it's not good for them. So you you naturally start to develop this balance when you're going to it with that state of mind, right? Where, you know, I've been eating really healthy. I'm taking care of my body and I'm going out Friday night with the guys. I haven't seen my friends in a few weeks and we're we're bonding and we're having beer and pizza. And I think I'll enjoy some pizza. I'm going to have some beer because right now that's how I'm taking care of myself. It also prevents the on the wagon, off the wagon kind of binge, uh, you know, mentality or behavior, right? So when I'm caring for myself and I decide I want to have a cookie, I'll have a cookie. But when I'm restricting myself and I rebel against that restriction, because that's what it is, it's a rebellion against that restriction, then I don't have one cookie. I have 
a box of cookies. Might it's no well, longer. Right? It's still self-hate. It's not self-care. I mean, look, I can I can speak to that with great clarity as a drug addict. I, you know, I had that many, many, many vain attempts at trying to get clean. And every time I fell off the wagon, I was like, why? Well, I, I should just go buy an eight ball. I might as well. I fucked it all up, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll get back on the horse on Monday. But this weekend, since I've already I've already thrown it down the drain. So uh, let's go get a case of Jack Daniels and let's start cooking up some rocks. Because, I mean, that is the mentality when you're in this, I must live by the code of uh, feast or famine. I mean, then that's right. not that's not reality. No. Self-care uh, is a is a balanced approach. It allows you to at times uh, feed your emotional self or, you know, connecting with the people around you or oftentimes your physical self and, and nourishing your body. You know, orthorexia is also a real thing. Orthorexia is an eating disorder where you have to eat everything perfect. It's got to be the right calories, has to be the right macros. And if it's not, then whatever. And although the person's eating perfectly in terms of calories and macros, they're also, t they also tend to be very unhealthy. Right. They have bad relationships. They don't do anything other than that. They're very obsessive. So self-care is a, a very naturally, it's a very, it's naturally balanced. And, and I talk about that in the book because it encourages the kind of behaviors that, that ensure long-term forever success with it. I know you're a busy man and I will let you be, uh, be on your way. I, I absolutely sincerely deeply appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. It's been fantastic. And uh, my, my final closing question is uh, a couple, I want to say about a month ago, I saw something really, really profound on your, your Instagram and that you were saying in 20 some odd years, of lifting weights. I've learned so many important lessons and none of them have to do with muscle or my body. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could elaborate on, on what that kind of nobility was. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, one of my, one of the, the, the main reasons why I love uh, fitness so much, and I loved it as a trainer so much, is it was a very easy, sneaky, unassuming way way into personal growth. And what I mean by that is if I walk up to the average person and they say, Hey, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take you on a, a, a personal growth journey, right? They'd be like, get out of my face. Don't talk to me. I don't want to do that. Right. But if it's, Hey, come work out with me. I'll make you look fit. Okay. So they don't even know that they're about to embark on a, a journey of personal growth. Well, if you stick to it long enough, that's exactly what fitness provides you. What are the, some of the lessons, right? Uh, well, one of the lessons is um, to be okay with failure. Uh, you know, when you're working out, you suck at things often. Yeah. The first yeah. time you do squats, you suck at it. Or I do a new exercise, I suck at it or whatever, right? You have to learn to be okay with that. Otherwise, you won't do it anymore. So that's one example. You develop a, 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 a better relationship with pain. You know, um, when I would train a new client, it was almost like they couldn't tolerate the little burn that they'd feel in their arm. But after about a few months, it was they had a different relationship with pain. In fact, you become more self-aware and connected to your body where you could say, you know, oh, that's good pain and that's uh, bad pain, right? Uh, just through exercise. You learn that consistency is everything. And that's true for all life, right? It's like, you could be a great dad on vacations, but what's most important is to be a great dad every single day, right? Uh, with exercise, yeah, you could have the greatest workouts of all time, you know, and but only do it, you know, twice a year. It's not going to get you anywhere. 
it's that even if your workouts suck, doing them consistently is going to get you, you know, where you want to go. And then the most important lesson is, and this takes a long time to figure out. This takes me a long, this took me a while to figure out, but it's the journey was, was really where all the value was. It wasn't the, I want to gain 10 pounds. So I got to my goal or whatever. It was, uh, the whole journey, the process of getting there. And so what happens, you start to learn to appreciate the journey. And then when you appreciate the journey, you never stop because it's not about getting somewhere. It's a beautiful sentiment. And another one I'll throw out there, at least for me as, you know, an extremist, um, I have that, that addict mentality to a lot of things, the weight room more so than anything, anything, whether it be my professional endeavors, whether it be, uh, combat sports, the weight room taught me self-restraint Yeah, because can I deadlift 505 right now? Yeah. Should I? Probably not. It was that, that internal ability to say that's in the long run. Is that the best idea to go so balls to the wall right now? No, it's probably not a good idea. Okay, Mike, let's take a step back and and have that level of self-awareness. And there's nowhere, there's nowhere in, in the world where I got that more clearly because I'd have to be on, you know, bedridden for six weeks because there was those two or three times where I said, no, fuck it, let's go. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, and I, I do think that that was something that was invaluable to me. Yeah, yeah, no, very, very well said. I completely agree. Um, Sal, I, 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 I again, I can't uh, express how much I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I encourage everyone, please, the resistance training revolution. It is like manna from heaven. It's it's all the bullet points that I'm always kind of trying to constantly get through everybody's head and uh, go to the. Uh, resistance training revolution.com. There's also all the information there. Of course, everything Sal Stefano is at uh, Mind Pump along with uh, his cronies there and at Mind Pump Sal on Instagram and Twitter. Um, is there anything else you, you want to throw out there before I let that's you go? It, man. No, no, that's it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Thank you. Hey, Camel. Camel, Camel Dog, can you stop licking and slurping? I'm doing an important commercial here. This is, in fact, an important commercial. AdamandEve.com. Sex is important. Sex makes your life better. Everyone should be positive and happy about the amazing exercise that is sex. And you know what else is awesome? Free stuff. Free stuff is awesome. AdamandEve.com is the place to be. You can select almost any item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. And enter the code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, B-L-E-A-V, BLEAV, at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her considering Mother's Day is coming up. Six free spicy movies, you heard me correctly, Six movies added on, plus free shipping. AdamandEve.com is the absolute best place to find anything that you may need to help turn it up a notch in the bedroom. Remember the code B-L-E-A-V, believe, at checkout at AdamandEve.com. Yeah. And there you go. Uh, thank you so much to Sal Stefano. I, I told you guys that was an excellent podcast, and the book is fantastic. Go pick it up. Go to theresistancetrainingrevolution.com. What? 
being summonsed. TheResistanceTrainingRevolution.com, that is where you can find the book by Sal DiStefano, The Resistance Training Revolution, at MindPumpSal on Instagram and Twitter. And then, of course, the website is MindPump. Remember, you folks, in this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares. Oh, yeah, by the way, uh, if you're interested in more information coming out of my brain through my mouth or my keyboard, uh, Patreon. Look for Mike Catherwood. I offer three separate tiers, and it's just a better way for me to give you a little bit more specific help, regardless of what tier you sign up for. And then also, for the um, middle tier people, I'm trying to come up with something. I do, you know, the middle tier people only have access to, or, you know, obviously the, the top tier do as well, but the middle tier have access to the training and nutrition plans. That is one separation from the bottom tier uh, who receive everything else, you know, the bonus pod and all the articles and things that I write. But um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a way to boost up the content for the middle tier. And my, my best kind of guess on, on how I should do that is with some type of live interactive conferencing and I would like your guys' opinion on how to do that. Hello, Gloria. On how to do that, whether it be Instagram Live, a lot of people are telling me that's a great way. I can do it via Google Chat or, or some type of you know 30-person Zoom. Um, but it does seem like it's a little easier for everyone just to log on on like an Instagram Live. But uh, go ahead, send me DMs, send me uh, comments on how you think I should go about that to make it worth everybody's while. And remember, in this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 